Good evening, TPC family, and welcome to our Wednesday night service. I'm back. <laughs> I'm so glad you guys have uh, chosen to tune in tonight. Uh, I am going to be doing a three-week series while Pastor Jeff is on vacation. So I'm, I'm really glad to be coming back to you. Uh, I enjoy being able to share with you, and I'm glad to be back uh, at home, if you will, here at my house with you at your house or wherever it is that you are joining us either tonight or as you're watching uh, at a later time on the website or on Facebook. So as I said, this will be a three-week series, and I'm really excited about this series. Uh, this is a this is a topic that uh, I'm very passionate about uh, because this is the, it's at the core of discipleship, and that topic is identity. <clears throat> you know, one of the things that um, I've noticed over the last oh, many years, and I've experienced personally in my own life, is that many Christians experience an identity crisis. And what I mean by that is, <clears throat> as Christians, we often um, don't understand who we are in Christ and, and what that even means. Um, you know, we talk about the gospel and that, and that the gospel uh, transforms us from the inside out. Um, but oftentimes when we talk about the gospel, we, we relegate the gospel to uh, an aspect of going to heaven one day. Uh, you know, it just becomes a purely heaven-hell issue. And the gospel is so much bigger than that. Because the gospel gives you, gives me and you, gives all of us uh, who, who come to Jesus and accept that free gift of salvation, it gives us a brand new identity. <clears throat> but most of us don't recognize or don't realize the fullness of what that identity is or how to walk in the fullness of that identity. Or, or, you know, how to act in accordance with that new identity. So that's some of the things I want to address over the next three weeks. Um, specifically tonight, I want to talk about why identity itself is so important. <clears throat> there, there's an understanding we need to have when it comes to identity to understand why we need to, to really dig into and be discipled in the, the reality that we have become a new person. You know, that, that verse in, in um, Corinthians where, where Paul says that if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Well, what does that mean? What does it mean to be a new creation? <clears throat> now, the aspect of new creation begins on the inside. It's not an external change that leads to an internal transformation. It's an internal transformation that leads to an external change. But what does that mean? How do we walk in that new identity? All those things. But it begins with understanding why identity is so important. And that's where I want to begin tonight is talk about that one thing in regards to identity. So tonight, <clears throat> I want to answer the question, why is identity so important? Because when you're able to understand the importance of identity, then you can dig into the power of the gospel to transform your identity. And when you understand how the gospel transforms your identity, then you can understand how God transforms your character, and then how character leads to a change in behavior. Uh, and we'll get into all that uh, here, here in a few minutes. So before uh, we get into the specifics, I want to start with a scripture that really speaks to identity. And, and it includes a very important question. Uh, now, maybe a scripture that you, you may not necessarily, um, it's actually a story of scripture that you may not necessarily associate with identity, but that's exactly what it is. It's a story that, that really gets to, gets to the heart of identity. <clears throat> so if you have your Bibles, you'll turn to, turn to uh, Acts chapter 19. <clears throat> Now, this is the story of the seven sons of Siva. Now, if you're not familiar with this, I'll read the whole story for you, so you're familiar with it. Um, but in the middle of the story, there's a question that is asked, that is a question of identity. And it's a question we all need to answer. Uh, and you'll see here in the story, the seven sons were not able to answer that question. And unfortunately for many Christians today, we're not able to answer that question when we're asked this question. 
<clears throat> because we don't know who we are, because we don't understand the power of identity. But my goal over the next three weeks is to answer um, or help you answer that question so that when we're done, you not only have an answer to the question, you're able to act in a way that is in parallel, that that is in accordance with the new identity you have in Christ. So let's read this, this, this story. It's Acts chapter 19. It starts in verse 13. Again, this is the, the story of the seven sons of Siva. Uh, starting verse 13, then some, some of the Jewish itinerant Jewish ex, uh, exorcists took it upon themselves to call on the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, We exercise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Now, they had seen Paul, they had seen the other apostles out um, proclaiming the name of Jesus, and they had seen that in that proclamation that uh, demons were being cast out of people. So some of the Jewish uh, exorcists here took it upon themselves to call on the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, We exorcise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Uh, verse 14. Also there were sons, seven sons of Siva, a Jewish chief priest, who also did this. And the evil spirit answered and said to them, now this is verse 15, so here are these seven sons, they go out, they're just like the Jewish exorcists, they see what Paul and the other apostles are doing, and they're trying to do it. So they go do it, and you know they say here in verse 14 they, that these seven sons did just like the Jewish exorcists said, hey, the Jesus that Paul's preaching, I declare over you to be healed, to be for the evil spirit to be cast out. Now here's what's really interesting in verse 15. So they do this, and here's what happens. Verse 15, And the evil spirit answered and said to them, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leapt on them, overpowered them, prevailed against them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. So that's where we're going to start, is in that story, in regards to why identity is so important. So let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you. Uh, Lord, I thank you for tonight. Lord, I thank you that uh, no matter where each and every person uh, is watching or listening this message, whether it's tonight or, or some later time, Lord, Lord, I pray and I thank you that your spirit is with them. Lord, I pray that you would give each and every one of us a spirit of wisdom and understanding, a spirit of revelation in the, in the knowledge of the truth of Jesus Christ, in the knowledge of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and in the knowledge of who we are in you and who you are in us. And I thank you for doing it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, all right, so let's, let's take a look at this story. And let's look at the aspect of identity. So again, here's, here's, here's the context. These seven sons of Siva, <clears throat> they go out and they try and duplicate what Paul is doing. Now, mind you, they, they don't have a relationship with Jesus. Or they don't have the relationship that Paul has with Jesus. So they watch Paul and the other apostles and say, wow, that's kind of cool. Um, maybe I'll use the name of Jesus uh, in the way Paul's doing it and um, cast out some demons. Man, that'd be kind of cool, wouldn't it? So they go out and they do that. Now, in this particular instance, they go to this, this one particular guy. They declare the name of Jesus over him, but it's not their Jesus. It's the Jesus whom Paul preaches. There's a big difference. So when the demon in this person encounters them and, and they declare Jesus over them, that they weren't expecting this because they didn't see this happen when Paul and the other apostles were doing it. But the demon answers them and says, okay, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? And they didn't have an answer for that. They didn't know how to answer that question, who are you? And I think for a lot of Christians, uh, a lot of us don't know how to answer that question. Um, when we're asked that question, 
a lot of things come to mind. You know, we think of our past. We think of all the stuff we've done that's either right, wrong, or indifferent. Um, you know, we think of what other people have done to us. We think of what other people have said to us. We think of what we think about ourselves. Um, there's just a million things that can come to the surface. And, and that's a very um, sobering question. Who are you? Uh, sometimes it's asked in the, in, the, in, the frame, in the form of just who do you think you are? Have you ever been asked that question? I know I've been asked that question. Well, who do you think you are? <clears throat> that is a question of identity. It's not, it's not a question of, you know, who are you in the sense of what, what type of job do you have? Where do you live? It is a question of identity. <clears throat> and that's where the seven sons of Siva uh, were in trouble. Because as it says here in verse uh, 13, it says that the Jewish exorcists, and, and this would include the seven sons of Siva, took it upon themselves to call on the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, We exercise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Not our Jesus. Not the Jesus I have a relationship with. Not the Jesus who I've come to know through experience, through discipleship. But the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Basically, they were looking at the name of Jesus or what Paul and the other apostles were doing was sort of like a magical incantation. I mean, if I just say the right words, if I just, um, you know, do the right things, then these evil spirits will submit to me. Well, that's not how it works. Uh, and, and we see that in the answer uh, that the evil spirit gave to the seven sons of Siva. Jesus, I know, which, and that's, that's a given. I mean, obviously, they know who Jesus is. Um, you know, he's the Lord of Lords and King of Kings, and he is sovereign and has all authority over all things. <laughs> I mean, that's a given. But the interesting part in that, that second response is they say, and Paul I know. Well, why did they know Paul? <clears throat> well, they knew Paul because Paul was in Jesus. And Paul was not exercising his own authority. Paul was not operating out of his own identity. He was operating out of the identity he had been given in Jesus. And then, of course, they ask the, the question to the seven sons, who are you? Well, you know, as believers, we're asked that question all the time. Now, it may not be an explicit question where somebody says, well, who are you? <clears throat> but believe it or not, we're, we're asked that all the time by our circumstances or, uh, you know, by situations that come up or by, you know, maybe when, uh, we find ourselves in trouble. Or, you know, if you're at work and, and your boss calls you into the office, your boss may not say to you, who are you? But in that conversation, in the tone of the conversation or in the circumstances, the question is being asked, who are you? And, and again, that's a question of identity. And as Christians, we should, we of all people should be the quickest to answer that question. Uh, and it's not just some Sunday school answer that, oh, you know, I'm, I'm blood-bought and I, I know Jesus, that, that type of thing. As true as that may be, it's deeper than that. It's a sense of who I am in Christ. The aspect of identity is, is something that is on the inside. It's not something that's external. You know, the, the world teaches us that who we are is a product of what we do, what we experience, what we have, uh, what we say or believe. Um, it, it's external. And, and unfortunately in the church, we've somewhat adopted that worldview where as Christians, we we view our worth based on our circumstances or based on our position in life or based on what happens to us. Uh, I, I, you know, I've been a pastor now on staff here at Turning Point uh, for this is my eighth year. And I cannot tell you how many times I've had people come to me, you know, after a service or during the week or whatever. And, and they'll say, hey, you know, I'm just, I'm really struggling. Uh, I'm having a hard time in my walk with the Lord or 
I've got this circumstance or situation going on and I'm really struggling with it. And they don't necessarily articulate it this way, but the essence of what they're saying is, I've got this circumstance taking place in my life and I want this, I want God to change my circumstance because if my circumstances change, then my life will be better. And that's a worldly view of, of identity. Because really what you're saying when you're saying that, when you say, you know, if my circumstances will change, my life will be better. You're saying that who I am, my identity is tied to some sort of external thing, some sort of external condition. That as long as the external conditions are good or, or proper, then I'm good. Then I'm right. But that's just not true. Um, our, our worth before God has nothing to do with our external circumstances. It has nothing to do with uh, us going through a difficult circumstance. And the enemy will use those circumstances all the time to try and get us to believe a false identity of ourselves. <clears throat> and, and I'm telling you, there's, there's, I don't want to put a specific number, but there's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot of Christians today who have a victim mentality because they believe a lie about their identity. They believe that their worth, their, their, uh, sense of who they are is tied to external circumstances, uh, is tied to some experience that they've had, uh, is tied to something somebody's done to them or said about them or something they've done. <clears throat> and, and they tie it to anything other than their relationship with Jesus. And when you do that, your sense of identity, who you believe you are, is now grounded in something that is not, uh, is not Jesus, is not the gospel, and is based in, in a false, uh, foundation. So when you're asked the question, who are you? And you try and answer that question out of your experience, um, your previous actions or attitudes or whatever, uh, whenever you try and do that, you're going to end up like these seven sons of Siva because when the, the demon asked the seven sons of Siva, well, who are you? They couldn't answer that question. And because they couldn't answer that question, here's what happened to them. In verse 16, it says, Then the man uh, in whom the evil spirit was leapt on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. And again, this is where a lot of Christians are in their, in their life. Uh, life asks them the question, who are you, through circumstances. Um, the enemy asks them the question, who are you? Or they're asking themselves the question, who am I? And they don't have an answer. And because they don't have an answer, life or the enemy or circumstances overpower them. And they, those things prevail against them and they end up running around spiritually naked, wounded and defeated. And, and I'm telling you, there are countless Christians who are walking around who have been defeated by their circumstances or by life or by the enemy, uh, or by their, by their own false beliefs, uh, because they don't know who they are. Because they can't answer the question, who are you? That's why identity is so important. And identity, again, is not external, it's internal. See, uh, uh, I said this a few weeks ago in one of the messages I did um, uh, back in August, that Christianity is not a behavior modification uh, program. It is a character transformation process. See, Christianity transforms you from the inside out, not the outside in. <clears throat> and we have to understand that, that our hope is not in an external change in our circumstances. Our hope is not in some sort of change in our socioeconomic status. Our hope is not some 
change in, in, a, in a relationship. Our hope is number one in Jesus and number two in the fact that Jesus has transformed me on the inside to where no matter what my circumstances are, I'm no longer a victim. No matter what happens to me, no matter what I experience, no matter what other people say or do, does not change the fact that I am no longer a victim. Now to understand the the reality of that, we need to understand our makeup and, and how God has made us as, as human beings. As humans, we we have we're, we're uh, we have three parts. We have a body, which you know clearly we understand this part, right? We also have a soul. Our soul is, it, it's who we are. It's, it's us. It's on the inside. You know, this is not me. I'm on the inside. Okay. Uh, my soul is made up of a, my mind, my will, and my emotions. It's my personality. It's my uniqueness. Uh, so we have our body. We have our soul, which is our mind, will, and emotions. And then at a very core, we have our spirit. Now, the Bible says when we're born, we're spiritually dead. <clears throat> and basically what that means is we have no ability to understand anything of spiritual reality. And that's really important because everything is spiritual. Everything is, is built upon a spiritual foundation. If there's a, if there's a problem in the natural or in the physical, it's because it has a spiritual root. So if you don't understand things of the spirit, you can't understand the root of true, uh, uh, or the true nature of problems, <clears throat> and then you can't address them. And you end up trying to fix them in the natural, but that doesn't work because the root of a problem is in the spiritual. Uh, it's like a tree. If, if you plant a, a tree in the backyard and you, know, you, you had these seeds, and it says this is an orange tree, and you plant those seeds in the backyard, and all of a sudden up springs an apple tree, well, taking the apples off the branches and hoping for it to produce oranges is not going to work. The only way you can turn that apple tree into an orange tree is if you uproot the entire apple tree and replant an orange tree. Well, it's the same thing in regards to uh, your life. If you've got some issues in the natural, they have a spiritual root. You can't just hope or fix the natural side, you have to go for the spiritual root. You have to uproot the problem in the spiritual. So when we were born, the fact that we're born spiritually dead means we don't have any comprehension of the spiritual issues. Uh, this is what Paul says in Corinthians, that the natural man cannot understand the things of the spirit for their foolishness to him. So we have to have an aspect of becoming spiritually alive, and that's what the gospel does. Um, you know, for the very first time, when we come to Jesus... And we accept that free gift of salvation through his death, burial, and resurrection. We become spiritually alive for the very first time. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit comes and resides within us. And, and we are bound together with the Holy Spirit in our spirit. We become spiritually alive for the very first time. So on the inside, our spirit is made alive. It's, it's literally resurrected, if you will, from the dead from the spiritual dead. Uh, Peter tells us that we are partakers of the divine nature. That's where everything begins, is in the spirit. So, when we look at answering the question, who am I? Uh, again, our natural tendency is to look on the outside, but we have to first look on the inside. Because, you know, I talked about the, those three parts, right? The body, the soul, mind, will, and emotion, and the spirit. Now, I'm going to go a lot more into the, the aspect of the transformation of the gospel next week. But uh, I just wanted to touch on that um, in regards to the spirit. Because to understand identity, you have to understand that spiritual transformation. As I mentioned that verse uh, a few minutes ago, um, in regards to Paul saying that if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Well, that new creation is that union between our spirit and the Holy Spirit. Uh, Peter tells us we're partakers of the divine nature. Uh, we're literally a brand new creation, something that never existed before. A union 
between God and man through the power of the Holy Spirit being made alive in our spirit through the gospel. And that's, that's what the gospel does. That's the initial part. Uh, as far as the walking out of the identity, that's, there's a whole, uh, a whole lot more to that. And again, I'll talk about that next week. But for right now, what I want you to understand is it's at the core, at the spirit level, that identity begins. So if you think about those three parts again, okay, the body, the soul, the mind, will, and the emotions, and then the spirit. I want to look at three other, uh, three parallel parts to that. Uh, and I'm going to go in, in the same order because we tend, again, we tend to look at the outside first. We tend to look at, at, at the body. So these three other parts, you've got body, soul, and spirit. And I want to look at three other um, sort of parallel parts that, that fall over this in regards to identity. So on the body side, you have behavior. That's easy for us to understand, right? Uh, behavior, it's what we do. It's our actions, right? And, and that's where uh, a lot of us as Christians get in trouble is our behavior because <laughs> we want our behavior to change. You know, we're doing stuff uh, or, or, you know, we've got habits, hurts, habits, and hangups, as we call them in, in Celebrate Recovery, where we want to change these things. We want to change our behavior, um, but we don't know why it won't change uh, or we struggle with it. Uh, strongholds is what the Bible calls it sometimes. And these addictions or, or compulsive behaviors, as we call them in uh, Celebrate Recovery, in, in, in regards to changing behavior. And unfortunately in Christianity, uh, we too often look at Christianity as a behavioral modification program. Meaning, I want to change my behavior, so that's where I focus. I focus on that level. I focus on, you know, following the rules. And this is where we fall into religion uh, or, or legalism. Uh, do this, don't do that. Um, you know, don't drink, smoke, or chew, or hang with those that do, all that stuff. And unfortunately for, for many Christians, that is what Christianity is all about. It's about following the rules. It's about behavior change. And, and you know, we, we tend to present the gospel to the world as a behavioral change program. What do I mean by that? Well, <clears throat> when we look at the world or we look at others around us who are not Christians, we criticize their behavior. And we do it in a way as if a behavior change is what brings about transformation. But that's not true. Uh, I've known people who've changed their behavior, but they've not experienced a transformation of the gospel. Because behavior change is not the goal of Christianity. Now, that is a fruit of, of our walk with the Lord, but that's not the goal. And as Christians, what we often do is we judge our identity we judge our, our worth. We try and answer the question, who are you, based on what you do, or based on what I do. Well, you know, if I was really a good person, I wouldn't struggle with this, or I wouldn't have done that. Uh, or, you know, I, I'd, be, I'd be more like, insert name here. <laughs> you know, uh, or I'd be doing better things, or I'd be doing, uh, you know, ministry type stuff, whatever. We focus on behavior, and that's the wrong answer. Because, you know, the Bible is very clear that in our current state, while we live in a sinful world, we're going to make mistakes. And we will never be able to walk in a perfect, uh, or, or, or a perfect sense of, of behavior, in that we'll never make mistakes. Uh, we'll never do something wrong. It's impossible. It's just impossible on this side of eternity. And again, that's not the goal of, of Christianity. It's the fruit. Yes, our behavior, you should see a change in behavior, but that is not the goal of Christianity. And I'll get to the goal here in a minute. Um, but we have to be very careful as Christians that uh, we're not judging our identity based on our behavior. That's an outside-in perspective. What we're saying is, if I can change my behavior, 
I will become a better person. It doesn't work that way. It's just the opposite. See, that's a works righteousness perspective. You know, as Christians, we, we talk about evangelism in the context of it's not works, works uh, salvation. You know, you can't earn your favor with God. But I think oftentimes after we're saved, uh, we forget that it's no longer works righteousness either. Uh, and we slip into that behavior, man, if I just, if I can just get my act together, God will love me more or I'll be worth more or, you know, I'll be a better Christian. And again, that's a works mentality that's based on, on rules and right. That's religion. And I know uh, a lot of us grew up in an environment like that. I did. And it, it just, that old mindset just drives our perspective on identity and, and trying to answer the question, who am I? So we have to be very careful that um, we're not trying to answer that question based on our behavior. Because if, if my behavior is the foundation of my identity and answering the question, who are you? I will always end up just like the seven sons of Siva. Right here in, in verse 16, I will always end up in a position where the enemy or life or circumstances asks me the question, who are you? I'm not going to be able to answer it with any definitive answer because my behavior can't uphold it. It's impossible. If it could, I wouldn't need Jesus. I wouldn't need salvation, right? Neither would you. So we have to be careful that we're not answering the question, who are you? We're not basing our identity on our behavior. And again, in Christianity, we do that all the time. So on the outside, you know, our body, our behavior, okay, that's that parallel top uh, over the body part. Um, our behavior is not the source of our identity. Because it's impossible to live a perfect life. So if, if it's impossible to live a perfect life, and my identity is based on my behavior, um, I'm already done. Right? I'm going to constantly walk around with a victim mentality and I'm going to be overcome and be prevailed over by my circumstances, by life, by the enemy. And I'm going to constantly walk around spiritually naked, wounded, and defeated. And again, that's where most Christians are because we're basing our identity on our behavior. <clears throat> okay, so that's, that's, that's the outer level, okay, if you will, behavior uh, on the body level. The next level at the soul level is character. Now, this is really important because character is the foundation of behavior. So we've got these layers, okay? If you will, you've got behavior here, and then you've got character here. If you want your character, or I'm sorry, if you want your behavior to change, your character has to change. You will never be able to consistently act in a way that is contrary to your character. And maybe be able to do it for a while, but uh, ultimately your character is going to win out. So if you want your behavior to change, your character has to change. There has to be a transformation at the character level. And, and again, your character is at that soul level. It's that's that's what your character is, is founded in, is your soul. It's your mind, your will, and your emotions. It's how you think, how you act. And how you feel in the sense of will. Now, when I say act, I don't mean the behavior side. What I mean is the will side. I mean is the desire level. Uh, is is the the motivation to do the action. That's the will. Uh, I will to do something. Uh, you never do something without first thinking or desiring to do it. Uh, so it's that desire level. That's what I mean by will when I say act. So you've got your mind, your will, or the desire, or the motivation, or the unction to do something, and then your emotions. So those three things, uh, all together, work together, are the foundation and, and uh, of, of behavior, and together they work together to make up your character. So basically, think about your character as the, the sort of the glue that when you look at your, your thoughts, your feelings and your desires, you put them all together, they come together as your character. Uh, again, in Celebrate Recovery, we talk a lot about character flaws. 
uh, character flaws are, are faulty thinking. Um, it's faulty desires that are based in lies, really. Uh, and this is really where uh, sin resides, is in the character level. <clears throat> because when you believe a lie about something or believe a lie about yourself uh, and you act on it, you're acting on sin. And, and really, all sin is is a lie. Uh, you know, one of the things uh, in, in regards to uh, behavior, like things that something that's easy to understand, um, you know, like um, alcoholism or drug abuse. Uh, people who are, are alcoholics or, or drug addicts, um, the lie that they believe that leads to the emotion, the thought process, and the desire for alcohol or drugs. Or, or in the case of maybe pornography, I, you know, I, I had a pornography addiction for a long time. <clears throat> uh, so the lies that are behind that, that 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 create this character flaw, that through my thoughts, my feelings, and my desires that work together, that desire that that lead to the behavior of pornography or uh, alcoholism or drug abuse, are based on a lie. You know, uh, you know, when it comes to pornography, part of that lie is it's it is. That this is intimacy. This is this is what will will provide me with that sense of of relationship, or in the sense of, of alcohol or drugs. You know, it's it's a way of escape, or it provides me with comfort. Um, it, it helps me overcome my problems. Those type of things. Those are lies that create a character flaw or faulty thinking. Faulty feelings and faulty desires that those three work together to, to lead to behavior. And we all have them. I mean, you don't have to be uh, addicted to pornography, drugs, or alcohol to have character flaws. We all have character flaws. And they lead maybe to anger or depression um, or gossip or, or bitterness or resentment. There's so many different manifestations um, of, of, the lies of sin that we believe that create these character flaws in us. <clears throat> and we need that, we need a transformation of our character in order to see a change in our behavior. But it's not just a matter of changing the way you think, feel, or the desires you have. Uh, because character is, is not autonomous, meaning it's not created on its own. Uh, just as we have behavior is built upon character, character is also built upon something. And that's something that character is built upon. So you have behavior, you've got character, and the thing right in the middle that character is built upon is identity. That's at the core. So you have your body, your soul, and your spirit in the middle. Okay, You've got behavior, You've got character, and then in the middle is, is identity. And that's where we go back to the spirit. Remember, we talked body, soul, and spirit, and we're born spiritually dead. Okay, The reason we're born spiritually dead is because at the core of our spirit uh, is that sin. We're born with that, that sin nature <clears throat> and that sin identity, that identity that's built on a lie. <clears throat> well, that identity... Uh, that's built upon a lie affects our character, which creates these character flaws, and those character flaws lead to sinful behavior. So, when it comes to a transformation of our identity, it cannot begin at the behavior level. It can't even begin at the character level. It has to begin at the identity level. And that's at the very core of our being. It's at the spiritual side. And this is why, as I mentioned earlier, <clears throat> that everything is spiritual, right? That everything is founded on a spiritual foundation. And that includes us. We're built, we are spiritual beings. We're built on a spiritual foundation. And our character <clears throat> is built on that spiritual foundation. And that's where ident our identity comes from, is from that spiritual side of our, our, our nature. So, in order for our identity to change, it's not based on behavior change. It's not based on character change. 
It's based on a spiritual transformation. And that's what the gospel is all about. The gospel transforms our spirit. As I mentioned earlier, you know, the Holy Spirit is joined together with our spirit for the very first time. We're made spiritually alive. We are a new creation. And that's where that new creation begins. It doesn't begin at the behavior level. It begins at the spiritual level <clears throat> where we're, we're radically transformed. Jesus takes out that old sin nature and replaces it with righteousness, his righteousness. He gives us a brand new identity. See, in Christianity, you don't earn an identity. You live out an identity that you've been given. And unfortunately, again, for most Christians, we try and earn an identity. And we understand <clears throat> the basics of Christianity in that we should be living better lives. <clears throat> but then we judge ourselves or our identity based on the fact that, oh, well, I'm not living as good a life as I should, so that means I'm not a good person. Or I'm just a loser. Or I just, I'm just not as good as somebody else. <clears throat> and that's a question of identity. We're saying our identity is that I'm a victim. Uh, my identity is I'm a loser. And that's a lie. It's not what the gospel says. And again, we're basing it on an external to internal transformation, and it's just the opposite when it comes to the gospel. The gospel is an internal to external transformation. <clears throat> the only way we can answer the question, who are you, is if we truly understand who we become in Christ. Who we have become through the gospel. <clears throat> and this is where, in Christianity, uh, we have sort of fallen short in regards to evangelism. You know, when we talk about evangelism, we usually relegate it to a heaven or hell issue. And absolutely heaven or hell is involved. I mean, that's, that's a given. But the gospel is not just about going to heaven one day. It's about becoming a brand new person today. And then living out who you have become today, tomorrow, the next day. That's what discipleship is all about. <clears throat> discipleship is the living out of the new identity that Christ has put in through the gospel. Uh, you know, Paul says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work out what? What are you working out? You're working out that new identity. That transformed identity. You're allowing God to bring it out of the spirit to transform your character, to change the way you think, the way you feel, and the desires you have that together transform your behavior. That's why identity is so important. And I'll go into next, next week, I'll go specifically into, um, how the gospel does that on different levels. Um, and, and how character change leads to behavior change. We'll go into all that next week. Uh, but this week, I just want you to understand why identity is so important. Because identity, true identity, is an internal transformation of who you are. We have to get back to realizing identity is more important than behavior. Because behavior ultimately is built upon identity. And if I've got a behavior change, a behavior problem, uh, you know, if I've got, uh, you know, things I need to change that I'm doing or, or not doing, if I want my behavior to change, then my character has to change because my behavior is built on my character. So if I've got character flaws that need to change, well, that means I need my new identity to transform my current character. And the only way I overcome character flaws is through the gospel identity. So it's an inside-out transformation, not an outside-in. <clears throat> and as, as Christians, we have to remember that uh, the temptation is to look at the external first to, to transform the internal, but it's just the opposite. And this is why it's so important to be in the Word of God every day. 
This is why it's so important to be spending time with Jesus every day. Jesus said, if you abide in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. What is the fruit? It's a, it's a change in behavior. Uh, you know, one of the fruits of the spirit is self-control. Uh, and we'll go into that here in the next couple weeks of how God transforms not just your identity through the gospel, but your character through the, through the spirit and the word. Because between the Spirit of God and the Word of God, God transforms your character. And when your character is transformed, your behavior naturally changes. And that's what we're all after, right? We're looking for a change in behavior. We're looking to become um, the type of person that we see the Gospel and, and the Word of God says we can become. Well, the reality is we already are. We just haven't allowed it to transform and permeate fully our character and our behavior because we're looking from the outside in rather than the inside out. So I hope tonight that you have a better understanding of why identity is so important. Uh, we need to start. We need to start talking more about identity than behavior because <clears throat> identity is the foundation of behavior through character. And when we walk through those three things, identity, character, behavior, we become the person God created us to be. And then we walk into our kingdom destiny. And let me, let me close with this. Uh, it's, it's so important to understand this process because as, as a Christian, we have been given certain gifts and talents and responsibilities. And all those are based upon our identity. I cannot walk into my kingdom destiny unless I'm walking into my in walking in my kingdom identity. If my kingdom identity doesn't transform my character, my character doesn't transform my behavior, I can't walk into my kingdom destiny. <clears throat> and this is where a lot of people a lot of Christians are missing it. Uh, if you remember the, the story of the parable of the talents where the master gave out talents to, to three, three, uh, three different men. Uh, to one he gave five, to one he gave two, and to the other he gave one. And when the three men came back to the master later and reported what they had done with the talents or the money, uh, you know, the first one said, hey, you know, I took your five and I made five more. Here's your money with, with the... Uh, return on investment. <clears throat> and the master praised him and, and, and uh, said, come in and enter into the joy of your master. The second one came back, said, you know, you gave me two and I made two more. Here's your money back with, with, with interest, with, with the investment, return on investment. And master said the same thing to that, the one who, who had two and made it into four. He said, come on, enter into the joy of your master. Well, the third one, who was given one talent, he came back to the master and said, man, I knew you're a hard man and, and you reap where you do not, you have not sown. So I took what you gave me, I hid it in the ground, and now here it is, I give it back to you. Well, if you're familiar with the story, <laughs> you know the master was not pleased. And he says to this particular man, he says, you wicked and unprofitable servant. And he says, you know, you'll be cast out uh, from, from my kingdom. Well, you know, as Christians, we've been given talents, if you will, through, through gifts and responsibilities um, and abilities. And there's a day coming when we're going to have to answer to the master, to Jesus, the king of kings. Uh, not in a sense of um, salvation, that's already been answered, but in a sense of responsibility for what we've been given. I want each and every one of us to be able to stand before Jesus and say, Lord, you gave me these things, whatever these things are, whatever these gifts and talents are, including a, a transformed identity. I took those things. I allowed the identity to transform my character, which transformed my behavior. And because of 
because I'm living a transformed life now, I've taken these gifts and talents, I've gone out, and I've multiplied them, and here are the gifts and talents you have given me, and here's the return on investment because of what I was able to do with them, because you transform my identity, my identity transformed my character, my, trans my character transformed my behavior, and because of that, here's the fruit, and I give it to you. And I want each and every one of us to be able to say that. Rather than coming to the master and saying, well, uh, I know you gave me all these gifts and talents, and I know you gave me a transfer of my identity, but I never really understood what that identity was. I never was able to answer the question, who am I? So I just give all that back to you. That day of days, I want each and every one of us to hear the words of Jesus when he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And the way we do that is by allowing that new identity to transform our character and that character to transform our behavior in order for us to be able to use the gifts and talents God has given us for his return on investment so we can stand before him on that day of days and give him back with the return on investment the very thing that we were created to do. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I thank you. Lord, I thank you uh, just for who you are. Lord, I thank you that uh, tonight, Father, that uh, each and every person that is hearing this, this message, uh, whether it's right now or, or as, as it's being uh, originally uh, broadcast or they've listened to it later on, Lord, I, pr I, I thank you and I pray for them, Lord. I thank you that your Holy Spirit is speaking to each and every person. Lord, I pray that you would give them a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, in the knowledge of the identity that you have given them. And Lord, I pray and I thank you, Father, that you are working in them right now to will and to act, Lord, to give them the desires and the power to, to walk out those desires, the very things that please you. And, and the beginning of that pleasure, Lord, is to see your people walk in the fullness of their identity. And Lord, I thank you for doing it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I hope you had a great time tonight. I enjoy, uh, enjoyed sharing this with you. Uh, again, I'm very passionate in, in regards to identity because it truly is the, the, the foundation of the Christian life. Uh, as I mentioned uh, a little bit ago, next week we're going to go into uh, a lot more of the specifics of how the gospel transforms your identity and how you become a brand new person. Then how you can live that out in regards to... Uh, character transformation, and then a behavior change. Then the week after that, we'll talk about character transformation. So stay with us. Uh, we love you guys. We're so excited for what the Lord's doing in your life, and I look forward to seeing you next week.